Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast for Holy Trinity Sunday in Year A. Uh, normally, we are in the midst of a theme, a themed series with the foundation resources. However, uh, Holy Trinity this year is a standalone, so we won't be talking about a series theme today, but rather just the Festival of the Holy Trinity in lectionary year A. So uh, let's dive right in and let's meet our preachers for today and for a short upcoming series as the Pentecost season begins. Uh, with us is Pastor Peter Schlicht from Eastside Lutheran Church in Madison, Wisconsin, and Pastor Phil Moldenhauer from Our Redeemer Lutheran Church, also in Madison, Wisconsin. And with us today is Professor Joel Otto from the seminary. So thanks to all of you for serving in this way. Uh, Peter, let's talk about Holy Trinity in year A. Could you get us started by just sharing a few thoughts on the rationale behind Holy Trinity Sunday, uh, the purpose of this Sunday in the church year, um, whatever thoughts might be uh, helpful to just to orient preachers and remind us of what the Sunday is all about? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a privilege to be here. And like you said, Trinity Sunday is a standalone, so its place in the church here is very important, even if it doesn't have an immediate context that it attaches to. Um, if you think about um, starting Pentecost, when we focus on Jesus' teachings, um, this the Sunday of Holy Trinity is incredibly important. Um, I like to think of it sort of as the scaffolding on which Jesus' teachings are built. And uh, if Jesus is not God, then he's not our Savior. And he's not worth listening to because he'd be a maniac as right, the liar, Lord, lunatic thing. And so that whole aspect of um, the doctrine of Trinity is also the doctrine of, of Christ's divinity. And uh, if we lose this doctrine, as the Athanasian Creed would say, we lose it all. So it's very important that right as we begin this series of the church, you're focused on Jesus' teaching, that we're thinking about setting up this, um, this backbone of Christian faith as um, Jesus Christ as true God and his place in the Trinity and then seeing his, his teachings uh, build out from there um, is a really, I think, an important thing. I also believe that Holy Trinity Sunday is focused on a doctrine, and that's something worth mentioning to your people. This is the one Sunday of the year that's not a festival focused on an event in the Christian, in the Christian church or in the life of Christ, but it's the one focus on a doctrine. And for that reason alone, it should uh, speak of its importance. Right. Because it's such a, a fundamental doctrine for our faith and life, it's it's really identifying who the real God is, right? So uh, foundational for our faith and life. Um, Phil Moldenhauer, let's go to you next. Uh, today we'll focus on the second reading as our sermon text. But before we get into that, could you remind us of the gospel for the day and the first reading, what they are and how the Second uh, Corinthians reading will fit in together with them? Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you also. It's a, a privilege to be here on the podcast. So yeah, the gospel is Matthew 28, the last four verses that include uh, the Great Commission, well-known, and of course, Jesus' command to baptize in the name of the triune God, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So uh, not surprising, of course, that that would that land on Trinity Sunday. I think it's, I, I guess, just reflecting on my own preaching of, of Trinity Sunday, it, it, I don't know that I could get through a sermon without making the tie to, to holy baptism because that's the place where this doctrine becomes very real for every individual person who's sitting there, that the name 
of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been placed upon them. So I think that's the, that gospel thought is, is always going to be there and really powerful. Um, in fact, I think I have to check myself so that I don't end up preaching a baptism sermon on Trinity Sunday sometimes. Uh, uh, so that, that's the gospel, obviously the uh, very clear tie-in. The first reading is the account of creation from Genesis 1 and going into the, the beginning of chapter 2. And very long, um, but I, I think you know, we recognize pretty uh, readily that the, there are the, the intimations of the, the Holy Trinity there and the let us make man in our image, the plurals, as well as the Spirit of God who's hovering over the, the abyss at the very beginning of that. So it shows us the that the triune God. In some ways, I think of that that um, the Genesis reading is the reminder that the triune God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end, and everything uh, flows from Him. Creation is is carried out by the triune God, the Trinity. So those two uh, those are the other two readings, and then yeah, we got Second Corinthians that um, I suppose is kind of between the two. Okay, yeah. Thanks for that summary. Um... Joel Otto, let's go to you next. Uh, just get us started thinking about what we're suggesting in uh, the foundation resources as the sermon text for this Sunday. Second Corinthians 13, the final verses of that chapter of this letter of Paul, uh, verses 11 through 14. Can you share some thoughts with us as you think about preaching this text? Sure, John. Uh, thanks for uh, the privilege to be on here. Um, you know, this comes on the heels of this comes at the end of uh, Paul writing now two lengthy letters to the Corinthian congregation that we have in Scripture, uh, and all the challenges that have come there. And then he begins this these last greetings, brothers and sisters. You know, Adolfoy. Um, then he's still seeing them as his fellow fellow Christians, and he uh, then gives some encouragement. And then, really, for Trinity Sunday, because this is a the festival of the Holy Trinity, you're going to land your focus on that last verse, the apostolic, the apostolic blessing, um, it kind of readily, I suppose, readily divides into, you know, you can almost, they're your three parts, I suppose, in a way, um, grace of Christ, the love of God, fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and just those unpacking those, those big words, um, uh, charis, the idea that it's a gift, um, the, and everything that goes into Paul's talked about that already in second Corinthians eight, nine, um, Christ becoming flesh for us, um, the love of God, uh, the the agape love, uh, unconditional starts within God, uh, and you see that in the way that God has planned out our salvation from beginning to end. Uh, you see it in how He cares for us. Um, I always think of first article, um, all this He does only because He is our good and merciful Father in heaven, not because we have earned or deserved it. And then the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, God working, the Spirit working in us to create faith, to create this uh, fellowship with, with him. Uh, he dwells within us, and Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians, especially the Spirit uh, within us. Uh, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but then also that fellowship that uh, we have in the Holy Christian Church, which then could help. As a preacher, you'd probably kind of... Um, Go back to the beginning of the text there where Paul is giving that some of that encouragement to live uh, at peace with one another uh, in the Holy Christian Church and in, 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 in the Christian congregation. Great. Um, so, yeah, familiar verses for us, um, a familiar letter in many ways, um, as uh, 
Paul writes once again to these beloved Corinthians, uh, so troubled, but but so uh, so dear to Paul's heart. Um, Peter and uh, Phil, your thoughts on how you might uh, address law and gospel in this text. It's, it's unusual in some ways because it is these final greetings and a blessing. Um, how do you point out uh, a facet of the law in this text or related to this text? Ideas for preachers? Um, I guess for me, this one is, is interesting because from context, it is such a pure blessing and pure gospel in that sense. Pulling from the Sunday itself is, is where I, my mind first goes to think of, this is such a blessing. The Trinity is meant to be. And I think sometimes people don't think of a, a dusty doctrine as something that could be a blessing or so wonderful. And so to connect the blessing and to say, um, the, the sort of the, the log along the line of um, we might not think of the doctrine of the Trinity as, as much of a blessing as we, as we should, or appreciate it as the, um, the backbone to God's blessings or the, um, you know, we might want to say I, with a lot of people that say things like I'm spiritual, but I don't want to have, don't want to define my faith. I don't want to have these doctrines that I'm going to say definitively. And, for us as Christians to not only say, I believe in the Trinity, but through this Trinity, look at the blessings I receive. So I think there's that um, temptation in our world to have a rather nebulous faith, uh, not really to own the, a doctrine like the Trinity to say, I'm a Trinitarian. Uh, that might sound odd to a normal person, but what a blessing it is because of this grace and love and fellowship that we enjoy through it. But I know that's, um, pulling maybe more from the Sunday, um, the theme of the Sunday rather than the text itself. Uh, Yeah, but it perhaps is is a a point worth mentioning, sure, uh, that um, the whole notion of uh, identifying who God is uh, as he himself reveals uh, his identity to us, it kind of goes against the grain of of much of what we would rather do or trends in our culture, our society, things like that. Um, Phil, any ideas for a, a law message in this text or a malady of some sort? Yeah, I mean, I think along the same lines as Peter, and just in general, I think that, that that's one of the challenges of Holy Trinity Sunday, because it is this Sunday that's devoted to a doctrine. It maybe is, it it stands a little bit aloof or a little different from what we might normally uh, do with a text. So, yeah, I think about that. I, I don't know that I have much to add to what Peter said, but, but just that um, sometimes I think preachers too, I mean, to apply the law to ourselves, we can wind up kind of getting, going head over heels to apologize for this doctrine or to, um, to write it off and say, well, it's just something that we can't really understand. So let's, you know, kind of move on to something that's more relevant or meaningful. And I think that, uh, yeah, those would be uh, probably some, mm-hmm some points you might uh, land on. I think to look at what Paul does is, is startling. I mean, what do we say to people who are looking for comfort? Do we, we just leave it at a bland generic, I'll pray for you or, or uh, God's got this or God is in control. That seems to be everybody's favorite phrase. And, and um, Paul is so there, there's so much doctrine packed into the blessing as well here. Uh, Big words attached to, to the triune 
the name of the triune God. Right, right. Uh, Joel, another idea? Well, I think just kind of when you look at those big words, grace and love in particular, um, we don't deserve any of this. Um, Yet here we have the triune God acting on all three persons acting on our behalf um, without anything that we have done to deserve it. Uh, And why don't we, why don't we deserve it? Because we're lost and condemned um, from the start. And um, you kind of go back to that first lesson. Everything was created perfect, very good. And now it's not now granted that's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit into Genesis, but still um, that could be a point of law as well. Mm -hmm. Peter to that. Yeah, I, I think that the Trinity Sunday does, obviously, we're focusing on 2 Corinthians 13, but to bring in the other lessons would make a lot of sense, too, that the doctrine of the, to the doctrine of the Trinity, we attach the Great Commission, we attach things like baptism, we attach create our creation, and um, it'd be easy to bring in that aspect of original sin through the first lesson. Um, so to, to recognize the Trinity is also the way that we recognize our need for the Trinity. And mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of, I suppose, um, places you could go um, by connecting. Cause really, I mean, what, what isn't incorporated by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy spirit. You'd have to be uh, careful, I think, or judicious in how much time you're going to spend talking about each one of those. Um, but the mm-hmm. overall plan of God is all, is all here. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great thoughts. And Phil, I, the, I mean, I suppose this probably launches us into to um, beyond the law, but I think the hinge to me, when I was thinking through these verses and preaching on them, the hinge on which the sermon rests is the meta, that it's this uh, grace, love, and fellowship of the triune God, but it's with you all, meta pantone mode. And that that is a startling thing, that, um, that it's not just this separate, unique doctrine, but that this really impacts us. And again, that, I mean, it it instantly sets my mind to thinking about the connection to Matthew 28 and Holy baptism mm-hmm. that you can actually, this triune God breaks into this world and splashes water over your head and says, you you belong to me. So mm-hmm. I guess um, to, I, a question that I would have for other people is, is you have the, you know, with the, with the reading starting at verse 11, you might be tempted to launch into the Corinthian problems of, of uh, lack of harmony or disunity or something like that. And I just, I guess from my own, my own perspective, I, that would probably wind up, I think the sermon would wind up far afield from the Holy Trinity. I suppose that's one of the things you have to, you're kind of trying to balance here is, is yes, we have this whole reading, but we've kind of narrowed in on just the last verse. I don't know how other people feel about that. Yeah. My thought was you could um, address that. I mean, speaking of malady, you know, sometimes in, in homiletics, we talk about, if you guys remember the term, the virtue, we, we tend to use terms like appropriation application now, but kind of the malady is the flip side of that uh, virtue. So if, if the, the things Paul is encouraging Christians to do here are to live in fellowship with one another um, as a virtue, the malady might be the opposite. Um, uh, So you know, when, when you lose a sense of God, the Holy Trinity's presence among a body of believers, uh, what results, you know, well, then there's outbreaks of sin. And I think, you know, you could say maybe, uh, or this might be at, uh, an angle worth thinking about um, bringing in verses uh, 11, 12, 13, um, that uh, the Corinthians, though they were uh, property of the Holy Trinity, members of the family by baptism, 
uh, once they lost sight of that, you know, all kinds of things started erupting. Um, so the, the grace of God um, is that the Holy Trinity continues to remain, yeah, meta pant, panton himon, uh, among you all or with you all. Um, so that might be an angle too we're thinking about, but you're right, Phil, it, it is, there's, there's so much to talk about just with this final verse, um, verse 14 in English, or I see it's the Greek verse numbers are numbered a little bit differently, verse 13 and uh, the Nestle Allen text. But yeah, there's so much in that final verse uh, to address. Preachers will have to wrestle with that. How much do I talk about the Corinthians and the context? How much do I focus on just the big words that are there? in the final verse and uh, the apostolic blessing. Um, uh, maybe we could talk about that then, preaching the gospel from this text. Um, maybe it, it seems obvious because it's so full of gospel. And I mean, the the final verse is literally the gospel in the form of a blessing spoken to the Corinthians, one that we hear, one that we speak to our people uh, often. Um, but how do you bring out maybe a unique aspects of the gospel from this text? Thoughts there for preachers? Joel? Well, I think obviously with grace, um, just that Jesus came as that gift. Uh, it came in the flesh. Um, again, think of 2 Corinthians 8, 9, for your sakes, he became poor. Uh, and then expanding it from there. Why did he be, why did he become poor to, to take our, to take our sins upon himself? Um, the love of God that, that God in, in eternity uh, deigned to choose us as his own and to plan out our salvation and to then give his own son um, and the fellowship of the Holy spirit that the spirit working through the means of grace through baptism, the Lord's supper and the word uh, connects us to, to the triune, the Holy Trinity and, and keeps us in the one true faith. Yeah. So yeah, unpacking those big words there. And I like what you uh, did in connection with the uh, grace. Here's another occurrence of that word, that concept right in second Corinthians, uh, something you could point to or uh, other of Paul's writings. It's an idea. Um, other possibilities, uh, Peter. I think the, just thinking about the, the tone and this is the, the ending of a of this letter that Paul is writing to this congregation that has had quite a tumultuous history in its um, even though it hasn't been around too long, and to think about um, having that sort of gospel uh, feel coming through your preaching as well that um, to thinking about saying this to your people will go a long way to um, communicating the gospel. And I also think that the um, the way that he assigns specific aspects of the gospel to persons of the Trinity, um, as we often teach in catechism, provides us a lot. I mean, there's so much gospel stuff here. To, I mean, I just to be specific and to uh, really lean into um, those those words, um, Christ being grace, um, the embodiment of it, the love of God which sent him. And then the fact that somehow sinful people, we get to have uh, um, a participation, a fellowship with, with them and in eternity and with each other. So I think that there is just this whole thing is gospel. It's just um, the tone and the, the specificity will be, I think, the, the preacher's challenge here because 
you just need to be careful not to sort of decide, oh, what grace, what love, what fellowship. And then um, I think if you're more specific, that'll, that'll be the challenge with the gospel here. Right, right. Yeah, narrowing the focus uh, that, that will be challenging with these beautiful, big gospel concepts and words. Um, other ideas, uh, preaching the gospel from this text or suggestions uh, for preachers? Um, yeah, my classic move, you know, is uh, I get carried away with one concept, you know, and I'm I kind of I'm ready to move on to the next section of the sermon, and I look at my word count and like, oh, I I guess I need to go back and you know uh, remember there's other parts of this text as well, so that might easily happen. You get going on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and um, or whatever, uh, trying to balance those things out. Yeah, I think that might be a challenge on this Sunday, uh, Phil. Yeah, again, just the meta, meta that this triune God is with us and he's not a God who's far away. And it just, that to me is, I think that's the hinge, at least as I think about preaching this text, that would be the hinge that for me, it turns the whole gospel right there. That we're not just, it is never, doctrine is never just dry or dusty because Christianity isn't just like a, a way of living. It's a faith. It's a faith in in this God and it spells it out. And then, and then there's this marvelous reality that he's everything he does is, is for us, for our benefit. That's an amazing and astounding thing. Right. Um, yeah. I, I often find would find myself saying that on Trinity Sunday also, uh, you know, we're focusing on a doctrine, but not because we just want to talk in abstractions today or ideas. Um, yeah. This is a real God who is really with us Uh yeah, so that might be a gospel angle as well. Peter? Yeah, to that point, uh, if we think about the the Trinity doctrine, um, I think you can make a really uh, sort of a, uh, at least an illustration of sort of taking or maybe a metaphor of the human body, whereas if you don't have bones, you can't connect muscle, you can't stand up. And the Trinity is kind of like the the backbone of Christian faith, that way to which we attach the tendons and muscles of, of our faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you, you know, if, if doctrine constitutes the bones of teaching, um, then it's inherently practical, right? We need it to stand, we need it to grow, we need it to exercise our faith. And so um, when it comes, you know, when it comes to Christian doctrine, um, it's our backbone. And it's also the way, right? It's the way God has given us so many blessings. So I think um, maybe attacking that sort of uh, unspoken assumption that doctrine isn't practical through the gospel too would be a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who don't want to have, right. If they, if they want to have this sort of nebulous faith, sort of like spiritual jellyfish, right. They don't, don't pin me down on it. I don't want these doctrines. Um, we say, no, that's, that's the only way you're going to be ex- able to exercise your faith. It's the only way your mm-hmm. faith is going to grow strong is through this, mm-hmm having definitive teachings and what a, what a kind of interesting gospel message it would be to say, look at what God has shown us about himself, how, how much he has defined himself instead of saying, we just can't understand this because certainly there's a great amount we can't understand, but God has really gone out of his way so that we could understand him and relate to him specifically through the Trinity, unlike any other religion. Right. Right. Uh, Phil? Well, I think, Peter, you said uh, right at the very beginning, you had made the comment that this is the the doctrine of the Trinity is so closely tied to the divinity of Christ as well. And I don't think, I think that stands, we ought to mention that, you know, that, that 
that that's why we're interested in this doctrine because ultimately our salvation, the salvation on, on the cross matters. It makes a difference. It's, you know, it's, it wasn't just another mere human being who was being sacrificed like any of the old Testament animals on that cross, but it was, it was God himself, this triune God, um, the, the second person of the Trinity specifically, uh, who is, is God from God and light from light. So I think that you got to hit that, um, kind of the same way you're saying everything else is built upon this or the scaffolding. Mm-hmm. I think as that's preaching the gospel, then, I mean, at least in these, these last closing verses in, in second Corinthians, St. Paul seems to think that an awful lot of good for the congregation is going to come out of, out of uh, this blessing, this apostolic benediction and blessing. And um, I'm a little bit more context wise, thinking back to that kind of turn in second Corinthians at chapter 10, where all of a sudden it's like Paul's going to take him out to the woodshed and he gets here and he ends with, with um, all of these beautiful sayings and statements. And I think when I read these verses, I think about Philippians four, there's a lot of echoes. I think here of Philippians four, there's the note of rejoicing. There's also this kind of call to, for Christians to, to um, uh, bear with one another and extend the same grace, love and fellowship that they've received from the triune God to one another. So you might think about those kinds of, the benefits of the gospel or blessings of the gospel that, that kind of flow from this. So often we want the next, the silver bullet, the latest program, whatever it is, that's going to make our congregations great or whatever. And, and um, uh, well, it's, it's for St. Paul, it's so rooted in the doctrine of the Trinity and, and uh, all of these great blessings result. Yeah. The real God, the true God with you all. Right. Uh, Joel. Maybe jumping off kind of a little bit of what Phil just said too. um, I think a key, gospel verses as well as the end of verse 11 the god of love and peace will be with you um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know that that comes on the heels in verse 11 of these uh these present imperatives um strive for full restoration which maybe better would be um just be restored be encouraged uh, and then be of one mind live in peace and they've been struggling to do that, but how can they do that? The God of love and peace will be with you. And if you've already previously in, in the sermon unpacked the ap- apostolic blessing, that, that you kind of come back to those early verses and, and you'll have one more gospel gospel nugget to present. Um, the God of love and peace will be with you. You have that, that assurance. Um, and he's with you in word and sacrament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by way of, of application, if we're thinking in those terms, I think we've, we've been talking uh, in those terms already, but yeah, that the God, the Holy Trinity um, is here with us and active among us in all his reality, um, uh, right here among us, uh, blessing us with his grace, his love, his fellowship. Um, yeah, he's concretely connecting with us through word and sacrament. So there's the, the, the baptism connection, of course, and, uh, and everything else. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Uh, affecting us as we live out our identities in him. Um, and yeah, as Joel mentioned, some of those uh, encouragements in verses 11 and 12 um, would fit in there as well. Um, uh, Peter. As far as applications kind of connected to 11 and 12 with the having unity um, and maybe connecting it to the gospel too, right? This is distinctly Christian. This is what we do. We make disciples in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not just um, a certain, you know, we don't just make people who believe in certain things or who 
we're not like joining a club, right? It's the baptism in the name of the Trinity and those who continue to learn and to, and to uh, find their unity specifically in um, this one um, true God. So I think that there's a lot of applications that could be made there. Um, I also think another way to get application, which might be kind of uh, a different route for that your congregation might not expect, would be to ask about how they might take it for granted that they know about God as, the, the, as triune, especially if you have like a congregation like mine where um, we have a, a, a Christian grade school and people have probably heard these things since little on um, to ask, you know, if, if today um, you found out that God wasn't triune, how would that change your prayers? You know, how would that change the way you think about the Lord? Um, and just to realize that there are a lot of people who, who pray, you know, God, if you're out there or, I hope God hears me, but they don't have this idea of a father or a son or a comforter or a counselor. And uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's getting back into the gospel, but maybe that's not bad either mm-hmm. in sanctification. Yeah, no, good thoughts. Uh, yeah, bringing people's minds back to that. How does knowing uh, the true God uh, affect you? Um, just the way your yeah the whole the whole architecture of your mind and how you think about god and and life and everything else right uh joel i think maybe this is a good place that in Trinity sunday sometimes to just point out to people how i mean how important it is in our world um to be to, to be you know, that we're exact on this doctrine that we confess this clearly and and maybe even show them, you know, remind them, think of how many times in the worship service from beginning to end, we've got the Trinity. Um, obviously the invocation, it's usually there in the confet- in the absolution, in the Gloria, in the, the ending of the most Psalms, um, the creed, just woven throughout the service and for good reasons. And especially I think in our uh, pluralistic society, how important that is for our people to continually remember this is the, the unique triune God who is the God of the Bible and the, and the one true God that we, that we worship and serve mm-hmm. and believe. Yep. Good point. Phil. Yeah. And especially in, in an age in which you can't like, you can't take that for granted as I, I just had a case of a, a young man who Grew up really with very little church background, but his grandma wanted to get him baptized. So they took him to, I think it was a UCC church. And what he knew about his baptism was that they had altered the words. <laughs> That's what right. he knew. He didn't know what they had actually used. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, this is a, a clear case of where you don't want, you know, you know, you don't want to take these things for granted that we we actually carry out God's word and hold to that doctrine. Let alone uh, confusion our people have over over those groups which claim the name of Christ, but do not believe in the Trinity and therefore fall outside the realm of, of the Christian church. But people don't realize, I think, that, that that's the case. So yeah, there is, there's room still for that, that um, doctrinal mm-hmm. uh, emphasis on there to say, yeah, this teaching, you, you got to get this down. And I, yeah, again, I think I've, I think I've been guilty of apologizing for the doctrine while preaching on Trinity Sunday and, and, um, shame on me for doing that. Rather, I think uh, we want to know who our God is. We, I think, I think we are interested in this, this doctrine and we shouldn't apologize for it. Yeah. Yeah. And as our text reminds us, it's gospel. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's gospel. Uh, uh, Peter. Oh, you just, you just said it. Took your yeah. point. Sorry. No. <laughs> 
Right. And, and so, uh, right. It, it, it's not something we have to apologize for because uh, the true God, the triune God is uh, with us, with his grace, love, and fellowship uh, and all those amazing things that, uh, that, that come along with those gifts. Joel. And I think it's okay to admit that we can't get our minds totally around the Trinity. As we pray in the, as the prayer of the day says, the majesty and mystery of the Trinity. Um, but that's okay. That means God's bigger than we are. Yeah. And I'd rather have a God that I can't get my puny brain around um, who's, who's done all this for me in ways that I could never have imagined. Right. Yeah. We, uh, we don't have Trinity Sunday as if by the end of the service, we're going to all understand God's essence, you know, we're all going to get it. Uh, it's just simply uh, we want to worship God as he is and know him as he is and as he reveals himself to us. Uh, well, uh, ideas for um, themes or outlines. I had this crazy idea for a three-part um, outline uh, <laughs> for this text, but uh, it probably, I mean, grace, uh, love, and fellowship uh, from the last verse there, it's obvious, but made not a bad way to go. I mean, uh, if, if you're thinking of that, although we, we've proposed some other ideas addressing law and gospel and application in this text too. So uh, let me hear your thoughts. Um, what well, you might go about this, Phil? I think, I think one of the dangers of the grace, love, and fellowship, not that you can't do it, but I think one of the dangers is if we start tying like certain actions too specifically to one member of the Trinity. True. I think that, right. I, and again, I'm probably reflecting in my own preaching here. And, and, um, just thinking that through. So if we're going to do that, we want to, and I, I'm, I just, yeah, something to keep in mind. But, right. And yeah. And I, I thought of that too, also, and, uh, law and gospel, how do you handle them in the context uh, of each of those parts? Um, you, you could have a malady for each one of those parts or something like that, but you'd have to think through that as well. So, yeah, but I appreciate that, that caution, Phil, I think that, that's good to keep in mind, not to identify each of these characteristics with one person of the Trinity uh, exclusively or give that impression. Um, other ideas for just kind of how to uh, structure a, a sermon on this text. Uh, Peter? Sure. So um, I think that we've kind of been talking about the whole thing, so, sort of focused um, on the doctrine specifically and maybe this this sermon theme wouldn't go into um, the context of Second Corinthians 13 as much as other themes could, but I would just say um, the Holy Trinity is our backbone and God's blessing. Um, so backbone and blessing, or however you wanted to work that, but kind of get those two main thoughts in there, and very easy to work off of um, the backbone. You could bring in the sort of the law in that in that place and. Uh, blessing. Not that it needs to be um, always law, gospel, sanctification, but in general, that would fit very well into those um, two aspects. And I, the other thing I was going to mention too is that I remember at our last conference we had some uh, warnings not to turn the Trinity into merely a a social program, um, where it becomes this God is in within relationship within Himself, um, and therefore we should we can be in relationship with him and with each other. And I think that um, if, if there is a theme that becomes um, 
too focused on the relationship aspect that could lend itself to us maybe overstating things. Um, so maybe just a caution with that theme. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, Phil. That, that what you said there, that's the war that's being waged in the evangelical world over this doctrine right now. You know, there are people trying to use the doctrine of the Trinity to prove points about gender roles. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I think we're probably naive to, or just don't know. And, and that's fine <laughs> that we don't know that another, I think another one, another um, thing that I've done and I wonder about is the use of like the whole identity concept, finding rooting my identity in the Trinity, which I think is okay, but I think it can be overdone as well. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about this a sermon structure that simply moves from the question, what is lost when you lose the doctrine of the Trinity or when you don't have it to what is gained when you do. And again, kind of mm-hmm. hinging upon that, that the, that this triune God is with us. And uh, it would be a way to kind of work in all of the, the thoughts that we've, we've talked about here, I think, in a, in a nice way. Sure. Yeah, good idea. Good idea. Uh, Joel, the suggestion? Yeah, maybe kind of, if you're going to use the, the context of the Corinthian congregation, you could do that. Um, one way is maybe talk about you know, some of the problems that they've been having and what Paul has been trying to deal with throughout two long letters. And he gets, but now he gets to the end. And boy, th- thankfully, I'm, I'm, ser- I'm not serving a congregation that has that litany of problems. At least I hope our churches aren't. Um, Linear problems that, that Corinth was dealing with, but here he still comes to, at the end, addressing them as brothers and sisters, and says and, and gives them this blessing of the triune God, and reminds them, look at all that God is doing for you, each person of the Trinity in different ways, the triune God working together for you, for your salvation, to keep you as as His people. Yeah. Yeah. Again, bringing home the gospel of the triune God for you, with you, right? Uh, final uh, thoughts or anything uh, I, um, I, we omitted or other, other things that have occurred to you on this text? Uh, Phil? Just to build on what, what Joel just said is the repetition of peace. I mean, I think that, mm-hmm. I think that is a good application because our world is you know, a world right now in chaos and tumult and our people are feeling it. They've been feeling it for for two, the better part of two years now, and to bring that back, that here's our here's our firm foundation and our sanctuary that we gather in the name of the triune God. And, and for a moment, we forget about the, the news cycle and everything that's going on in the world. And peace reigns here as we gather because we know who our God is and what he's done for us. Yeah. Yeah. That is a, a key word throughout these verses, if you take all of them together, uh, but a beautiful gospel word too, for sure. Great. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's stop there. There are a lot more we could talk about with the Trinity, of course, but uh, we'll stop there for this week. Uh, God bless you, preachers, as you uh, reacquaint uh, your people with this fundamental, as we said, a backbone doctrine, um, but also the beautiful, uh, powerful gospel that goes on uh, along with Trinity Sunday. Lord's blessings as you preach his word.